broadcasting live from coast to coast and around the world, it's time for Animal Talk. Featuring some of the best doggone pet people on the planet. We are here to help you with pets. Hey, it's Jamie. And today, we're flashing back to an interview we had with Ted Nugent. Honor of his birthday happening this week. Uh, we're going to jump back in time and talk to Ted Nugent. Also in the show, uh, a fun fact or fiction. And we talked to uh, a guy from Avid about uh, chipping your pet. Uh, plus a fun yeah, fact or fiction and a, a whole lot of just craziness. This is one of the episodes that uh, has Mark Hannes in it and Brian Donovan. And, of course, as always, uh, Dr. Brad Davis can't keep that guy away. So let's hit the show, shall we? And coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Ted Nugent. That's right, Ted. Talking is, about uh, uh, conservation, right? Yep. yep. Animal conservation and Down wildlife there. management with hunting. And also we'll uh, let him talk a little bit about his new book. And his new book is? God, Guns, and Rock and Roll. Cool beans. All right. And... Uh, I'll tell you, Brad, you said you had a good story about Avid. Well, the Avid, the thing about Avid microchips is, uh, you know, people think of them as just as a scanner, but it really does hinder people from stealing dogs. A lady came into my clinic. She brought her pit bull in. The pit bull had been taken down the street by someone else. Uh, they had the dog. She knew it was hers. She said, no, that's my dog. She said, well, let's go check. I have a microchip in him. And uh, the person said, well, you know, I just don't want him anymore anyway. And she gave him back. Ah. And so what it is, it's a nice way to settle disputes as well as uh, for legality's sake and as well as for getting them home. It's just, it's, a, it's just a great idea. Brian Donovan, why don't you introduce our very special guest who's holding on the line for us? Well, I think a good introduction is, uh, is to uh, uh, actually a, a, re- a book review by uh, Mitch Album. And here's what he has to say about our next guest. I have known Ted for many years, and I can't say I always agree with him. I can't even say I often agree with him. But I respect him for this reason. In a world where fame makes people fat and satisfied... Ted continues to fight for his beliefs. He loves nature, and as this book proves, page after page, he feels that living without passion is not really living. That I agree with him on wholeheartedly. That's by Mitch Alman. Our guest is Ted Nugent. Welcome to Animal Talk. Well, I feel welcome at Animal Talk because I just put a chocolate Labrador retriever named Gonzo to kennel with a happy smile on his face because he brought Dad some mallards. Tonight. All right. <laughs> And I'm feeling pretty giddy myself because I love October. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet you do. Did you did you get? Uh, well, it's bow season now. Well, right now it's Jesus. Everything it's grouse and woodcock and rabbit and squirrel and deer with the bow and arrow and it's waterfowl season and this is really the heyday. I'm 52 years old and I've never seen a more wonderful waterfowl season in my life. I am celebrating. <laughs> you, you know, Ted, I'm amazed that you actually took the time out of hunting. Oh, it is dark here. It's, it's like... after dark. I got the deer hung up. I've got, <laughs> I literally have a beautiful big Michigan eight point hanging in the barn right now, and we had liver and onions for dinner tonight. So I'm going to be a little bit cocky tonight because Gonzo and I put we put six beautiful greenhead mallards in the barn tonight. And he did such a fantastic job for just being a two-year-old chocolate Labrador. So I really am alive in heaven as we speak. <laughs> All right, man, I tell you. You know, uh, we know that you're very active with youngsters, especially with uh, you know uh, uh, gun um, in- enthusiasts and-, and teaching responsibility. I want to do a little compare and contrast thing. You know, if you go to the PETA, that's the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, I'm oh, sure. Oh, I thought that was P- 
people for eating tasty animals. I was, <laughs> All right, Dad. I was mistaken on that. Now, if you go to their site, they, believe it or not, they have a page uh, that's that's directed towards school teachers, where there's actual lesson plans that teachers can download. Uh, here's a couple examples, and I want you to tell me what uh, the Ted Nugent lesson plans would be and how they would contrast with this. Sure. Okay. Here's uh, here's the first one. Compare the and this is kind of shocking, but. Uh, lesson plan from PETA. Uh, compare the civil rights movement with the plight of laboratory animals. Is it ever okay to break the law for higher purposes to uh, be achieved? Example, breaking into labor- uh, laboratories and releasing animals. And uh, what I want you to do, Ted, is uh, how would this contrast with the Ted Nugent lesson plan for teachers? Well, first of all, I want to thank and salute all the volunteers for our Ted Nugent camp for kids that are listening tonight, Mark and Brian, because even though it's called the Ted Nugent camp for kids, the reason it's a success is because of all the dedicated families out there. So for all the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids volunteers, all the directors, Chuck Buzzy, and all the crew, and mostly the kids, because you haven't lived till you've seen a graduate from the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids. These kids are not only bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, cock-locked and ready to rock, but they are absolute <laughs> warriors for positive peer pressure. And an example of what we do at our Ted Nugent Camp for Kids, and you can see and witness this and be a part of it at com. In contrast to the what the FBI calls a terrorist organization, that's really what the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals represent with their drink beer, not milk insanity. Oh, um, yeah, what, we talked about that. That's that's insane. Well, they're, they're, they are insane to compare chicken farms to the Holocaust that killed six million human beings. To compare breaking into laboratories to cure human deadly diseases to the civil rights era, to the civil rights marchers and and volunteers from the great heroes of Rosa Parks, my greatest living hero of all times, I don't really know if I can genuinely respond in, in a Nugent version to their insanity. So what I will gladly do is to celebrate the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids and how we teach children that man is a conscientious, thoughtful, intellectual reasoning predator where we sustain ourselves with the precious renewable resources including wildlife resources and including the resources on the farms of this great country because the farmers do indeed hey, Ted, feed the world. Ted, can I interrupt you and ask you to hold through the break real quick? We'll be sure. right back with Ted Nugent here on the Animal Talk Radio Network. Don't forget to check out Pet Warehouse online at PETWHSE.com. Welcome back to Animal Talk, where we talk about what you do to your animals, what your animals do to you. 1-800-PET-1886. 1-800-PET-1886. Don't forget to check us out on the World Wide Web at AnimalTalkRadio.com. And we are talking to Ted Nugent, the Motor City Madman, a positive force for change. Here in the United States, at least according to me. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Nugent fan. And his new book, uh, God, Guns, and Rock and Roll. I want to know where Ted Nugent's Camp for Kids was. When I was 10 years old, <laughs> Ted, uh, I won an archery contest. I was very good, and I still am a very good archer. Well, congratulations. 
the mystical flight of the arrow is a discipline unto itself. Isn't but it? listen to this. Ten years old, I go to the summer camp. I win the contest. There's about 50 kids there. I won it. I won a Denny McLean album. <laughs> Come on. Oh, my gosh. What the hell is that all about? You mean you're a, you're a blood brother of the mystical flight of the arrow right here on Animal Talk Radio Network? I, yeah. Heck, yeah, I am. Sure. And they stuck him with Denny McLean instead of Denny McLean at the organ. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> that can be real ugly, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, oh, so we talked about PETA. Um, well, I, got I was a- talking about the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids, yes. if I could, because yeah. I'm real proud of what our Definitely. guys are doing. Chuck Buzzy, Louis Crick, Charlie Creelman, all the volunteers. It's a 501c3 nonprofit, strictly volunteer organization that Shemaine and I began after the death of Fred Bear. And basically what we do, guys, is we teach these kids that God gave us certain gifts, and certainly intellect, reason, uh, 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 compassion, uh, uh, conscientious thought about how we conduct ourselves and how we can benefit the world around us. And we teach these kids to believe in themselves and to believe in these wonderful gifts and respect these gifts from God so that they can be an asset to their family, to their self, to their schoolmates, to their pals, and ultimately the resources that bring us life, the renewable resources that literally provide life for mankind and all living things. And they go out there and they study uh, based on the volunteer effort, uh, they study the history of man and, re- and wildlife and the abuses that we've subjected uh, resources to uh, in the history of mankind and how we're celebrating today the, the, the most wonderful, healthy, thriving population of waterfowl and turkeys and deer and elk and bear and cougar and so many endangered species now with more eagles to be found everywhere because people care and people will put their money and their heart and soul into where their brain is and where their mouth is And our Ted Nugent Camp for Kids teaches these kids to get high on nature, to respect nature, to wallow in the great spirit that provides us these exciting encounters with wildlife, both game and non-game, not just in a hunting scenario, but ultimately as a coexistent uh, a relationship with all these precious resources that, that really uh, uh, do need our care and attention, the habitat restoration that mankind has provided. And the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids becomes positive peer pressure with all the kids they hang around so they can get rid of the drugs and the alcohol and the tobacco and the, and the gangs and the nonsense and the violence. And our kids are the greatest kids in the world. You know, you really th- should think about having your own radio show. I mean, this is good again? stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I will do it again, but I, I want to thank everybody in Detroit and everywhere. I, my radio show was so successful in Detroit for the two years that I, I, I put my heart and soul into it. And it's because the people and I connect. God bless the people I connect with. Hey, I know you'll appreciate this. We have a 50,000-watt channel in Alaska that is listening to the show right now. Well, um, let me just say, the Alaskan, the last frontier blood brothers, the <laughs> Nugent family is with them in a salute to all my hunting and fishing and trapping and great outdoor enthusiasts <laughs> That's in Alaska. all of Alaska. Hey, I do have a question for you. As arguably, arguably the, uh, the most articulate person, uh, spokesperson for hunting, let me ask you a question. Um, sure. I'll eat anything that you, that you hunt. Oh, but, and uh, I, eat, I eat the best food in the world, baby. But uh, <laughs> uh, um, what about trophy hunting? Um, well, let me explain trophy hunting. That's okay. very important. Let me tell you. We are all trophy hunters because the very encounter is a trophy for the spirit. Do not ever underestimate that. But what you're talking about is the misrepresentation by the majority of media for many, many years 
I don't blame the media who's misrepresented us as much as I blame the hunting industry and the hunting community for their failure to stand up. Because you know what a trophy is? I'm looking at a beautiful caribou from the Brooks Range of Alaska that I shot with my bow and arrow in 1977. And you know why that animal is mounted on the wall? Because his flesh provided such pure, natural, high-protein sustenance, not just for the Nugent family dinner table, but for the very spirit of our family, because that animal that I was in face-to-face, eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart encounter, it represented so much to me, I couldn't throw the skin away. I couldn't throw the horns away. I kept the hooves, which are holding an old bear recurve right now. And let me tell you, Mark and Brian, right here, make it official on the Animal Talk Radio Network, based on what the Ted Nugent United Sportsmen of America represent, the Safari Club International, and all the sporting organizations, when we do mount ahead on the wall, that is subsequent to the utilization of all that precious flesh, the body fluids, the hide, the skin. We use the hooves. We use the bones. We use the teeth. We've always used that. But in ultimate reverence for that incredible beauty, dynamic creation, we oftentimes have a taxidermist create this living art on the wall so the memories of the wind, the memories of the spirit, the memories of the animals that got away will always be there. and We will never write that animal off like some chicken like some other people do. Here, here. Ted, you know, you got to learn to express yourself. Yeah. You know, I, 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 well, I'm on fire, gentlemen. Remember, i got a belly full of big white tail liver tonight. <laughs> and my, arrow, my arrow found its mark. And again, my Labrador retriever, Gonzo, he did so terrific on the Nugent Marsh tonight. I literally, I felt like a child with his first Christmas morning. When those mallards came in, and I, I learned from a hen mallard who landed right next to Gonzo and I tonight, we let this hen come in, and she was going, <laughs> and she was talking. The other side of the Thule's, you understand? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I learned more tonight how to call mallards in, and when I saw some drakes coming in, she and I started going in tandem. <laughs> <laughs> and we called these drakes in, and I got a double, and I was able to call in the next three groups that came in, and I got birds out of every group based on what this little hen mallard taught me in the great tradition of Russ Bengal and other great waterfowl conservationists before us. And her you. name's going down in infamy with the rest of the ducks. <laughs> <laughs> you are making that noise with your mouth, right? right. I, call, I called the ducks in with my mouth. I also I called deer in with my mouth. I've called moose in with my mouth, wow. and I've killed, last year I killed six turkeys in three states with my own mouth, so even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. <laughs> if the guitar player can do it, it's, it's, and that's really what the trophy is. That's what a trophy hunter brings home. He brings home an experience. He brings home lessons in nature relationship. So to learn from that mallard is an indicator that even old, over-the-hill, limping guitar player his le- my level of awareness determines the trophy that I bring home every day. Whether I kill anything or not, it's that level of awareness that is optimized in a hunting scenario that will really teach a child, even an old 52-year-old child, a certain amount of accountability that you cannot make excuses for because it's just you, God, and a mallard, and there's no excuse-making. Hey, Ted, you know, here on Animal Talk, in general, we talk about how to take care of animals, proper animal And I husbanding. do as well, sure. And one of the reasons that we brought you on is because I think people have a misconception over hunters and fishermen to think that they're there to plunder oh, wildlife. No. But, but actually, I think they realize how sportsmen value that resource and will do more to protect it than those people who sit 
um, always sit in the chair and look and watch hunting and fishing shows and actually go out and do it, or you sit there and are against hunting and fishing. Well, and, and thank you, Mark and Brian. I can't thank you guys enough on behalf of Ted Nugent, United Sportsmen of America, and all the great conservation families in this country who give a damn. I salute you, and I would welcome you to visit our tnugent.com site. We have a talk board, and I'm going on in about 45 minutes. At tnugent.com, we have a chat room. And let me make the conclusive statement that is irrefutable in the history of the planet. In the year 2000, the reason we have more waterfowl than over 75 years, more turkey, deer, elk, bison, bear, cougar, and many other wild game species, mostly big game animals, is because hunters stopped. We insisted on the end of marketing slaughter for the marketplace. We end. We, the hunting community, we stood up and we stopped the bulldozer to save hunting and save wildlife. And we only take the surplus. We would never, ever, ever allow a regulation that would allow any intrusion into the basic core population that guarantees an optimum health and thriving condition for wildlife. And that includes songbirds, wild game, endangered species, non-game animals, and ultimately, gentlemen, the hunters connect and the trappers and the fishermen we monitor hands-on the very wildlife habitat that not just produces targets and not just dinner for us but it produces the quality of air soil and water for all of us and everybody's got to learn to support hunting fishing and trapping because that's where the dollars come from to save habitat you know, it seems like every time you get done talking, I have to say amen. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but because it, I live the truth. That's what my gun, my book, God, Guns, and Rock and Roll, is on the New York Times bestseller list. It sounds like I'm bragging because I am. Well, listen, I, I love the book, Ted. I read it. I loved it. I'm Thank just, you. Well, it's like it's like we're at a damn campfire, isn't it? Uh, well, hey, yeah, I, I read. Uh, you know, you have the first two chapters on your website. I, yes, sir. Uh, you can. You only have to read one sentence to know who wrote this. Absolutely. <laughs> and well, I, I like to make up words, just like my guitar licks. You you can't write the guitar licks I play because it comes from someplace else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, ever since I saw you on uh, Politically Incorrect, I had a question that I, I had to ask you sooner or later. Um, if it was legal, would you shoot Bill Maher? <laughs> <laughs> well, can we be completely fantasy-like for just a moment? Well, sure, yeah. Yes. <laughs> No, you know what? Right. I, I'm only being silly because I am the world's funniest white man. But yeah. <laughs> I, I salute Bill Maher. We also, like Mitch Album and some other friends of mine, we don't agree on everything. But we agree that we would support each other to voice our own beliefs and what we stand for. So when Bill Maher has Ted Nugent on, he hates my guns. <laughs> he hates my hunting. But I salute Bill Maher and his politically incorrect production team. Because I have a standing invitation. I've been on 11 times. Wow. And I have a standing invitation to show up whenever I can get my ass out there <laughs> because they know that I bring a certain level of, of reality check to an otherwise uh, uh, insulated Hollywood community. And when I talk about God, guns, and rock and roll, I merely represent the truth. There he is, rock and roll legend, and now author in the book is God, Guns, and Rock and Roll, uh, Ted Nugent. Thank you so much. And you'll God be able bless to, you guys. You'll be able to check our website for Ted Nugent's book signings coming up. Thank you very much, Ted Nugent, for being guests on our show. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Program complete. Enter when ready. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> that is one big snake. We are on Yahoo still. <laughs> this is the uh, Animal Talk Radio Network, and we're uh, in the halftime show. Uh, we are in the halftime show for Dr. Brad. I'd- Thank you. <laughs> is that is that what you would really do? Would you ever? How would you introduce a song? No, I, it's. Uh, DJ you know, uh, yeah, it's like uh, here's some Van Morrison. Somebody asked me for. <laughs> Can you grab me a beer when you're over at the bar, please? <laughs> no, okay. I just uh, I'm pretty laid back. I'm I'm the laid back DJ guy. Okay. Kinda... Okay. But uh, Mark the Animal Hannes has a big reptile out. What you got there, bro? This right here is a a Borneo blood python. Oh. They also call uh, it what a short-tailed it about... python. Yeah, short-tailed. The things like. Four, four and a half feet, five feet long. Yes, he's four and a half feet long, and he's as big around as a big Burmese python. And what kind of python? Burmese. Burmese blood python. They call him, Burmese blood They call him a blood python because they're slightly reddish in color. Ugh. This is good for all the people who are at home checking off all the animals they've heard on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be able to see pictures of them on the website. That's what we do here. Oh, man. You might say radio. That's right. Yes. Uh, you know, is uh, is are the large the snakes? The blood python probably weighs about 35, 40 pounds. He's pretty hey, heavy. Answer me. Are the are the large snakes like uh, sports cars? You know, where you know men I'm make sorry, up for something us. with them. <laughs> sorry, dude. <laughs> that's me. That's me. I think I think you hit it right on the head, Brad. Um, because when Mark's at doing a personal appearance, <laughs> it's constantly out. Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, he's got nothing else. So he brings out the big snake to get attention. <laughs> and it worked. You know. Uh, Does it work? Special guest on the phone, Richard George. The, the, hey, hi, Rich. It, it, it's like I can feel that snake. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I can sense it over the radio. Uh, <laughs> is it working? Yep. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? What? what? All right, you can come back, Rich. Thanks. You know, if, if, that, if the snake decided oh, to attack and kill Mark, no one's taking it off him. <laughs> no one's going to be brave. Do you have one that could, could, could kill you? No, thank God. What about that uh, really big one that nearly killed Brian? No, that wasn't mine. That was Mike Roberts of uh, mm-hmm. Discovery that almost killed Brian. This is a truly entertaining halftime show here. Uh, <laughs> I saw kind of a cool one today. Thank you. I saw kind of a cool one today, a cool case. What's that? It was a uh, another reason not to let your dogs run outside. You know, we talked about neutering. Yeah. Uh, Pitbull, uh, intact male Pitbull, got outside his yard, and he got injured. Uh, the cop shot him. Oh, oh. yeah. And the bullet went, uh, there were two holes. One was in his chest, one was in the uh, his foreleg. And Did it, it turned, went right through? It went right through. It didn't hit a thing. <laughs> it went right through. Did he bleed much? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> But uh, do you have blood available to give transfusions to dogs? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, there's spe- there's specialist centers have things like that, but we don't tend to do that. You have to hospitalize. Uh, do you have overnight. plasma or anything like that? Flu- we just run in IV. Excuse me, run in IV fluids. Will that fix excessive blood loss, or does it usually that if it's just that much by the time they get there, that's just it? If usually if you're going to do a transfusion, uh, you're in such deep trouble anyway uh, that it's not going to do much good. But uh, I, again, dogs can handle losing a whole lot of blood without a p- big problem. So, how much blood does the uh, let's say like a pit bull have? How many pints or quarts or gallons or liters or twelve gallons? That sound I right? Have, I have no notion. <laughs> I have no idea. I really don't. I think it's five liters. Maybe we should ask a vet. Yeah, maybe yeah. we should ask a vet. <laughs> Call Sharon. <laughs> She'll know. She'll rattle it off. 
Uh oh. She always knows those things. Hey, I. It's things that don't come up in practice on a regular basis. No, no. The uh, but when you have a gentleman standing there holding his pit bull, who's d- blood dripping right out of its chest, that was kind of a neat moment, you know. Uh, yeah, pretty much a cops moment, huh? But the cool thing is, is that nobody else in the uh, lobby, you know, because people have to wait while you're dealing with the emergency. Nobody cared, because <laughs> the man with the dog weighed near 300 pounds, also, and uh, looked rather menacing. So. And so it was like, okay, he can go I mean, first. I guess <laughs> maybe the cop was. It missed him. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, sorry, Brad. Brad, excuse me. <laughs> he just rubbed up against you. Yeah. I was going to say something, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey. Um, just to, to let the uh, audience know that we've, uh, and let you, Brad, know that uh, we've started talking with Bill Bonds about the possibility of a television show, including the Animal Truck crew and Bill Bonds. Talk to him on Friday at lunch with him. To do what with Bill Bonds? A television show about animals. Are we going to train his wig? <laughs> Bill Bonds doesn't wear one. He doesn't wear a wig? No, no, sir. Really? That's his hair. That's his hair? <laughs> yep. <laughs> he does. You pulled it. Why? We're sitting across from him, and they're really obvious when they're real or not. I mean, I... Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Wow. What would this uh, show include? Um, don't know yet. That's what we're, we're oh, in the man. process of uh, developing. Oh, man. Yeah. Sat down with lunch with him and said, hey, I've got an idea. So, <laughs> exactly what sort of animal is that toupee he wears? He doesn't. He doesn't wear one. Apparently, it didn't look like it. Dude. Unless I'm just deaf and dumb in both eyes. I mean, it's, it's apparently his scalp has ear flaps. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh hey, we are one minute away from uh, the next hour of insanity here on the Animal Talk Radio Network. Everyone likes playing with my cat in a bag. I like your cat in a bag. And it's now donated to the uh, Dr. Brad Davis Museum of Toys. Oh, you look pained. Let's try calling uh, Steve's right. guest. I thought he was calling us. No. Yeah, well, yeah, but uh, he hasn't, so let's call him. Let's just... I, I, yeah, the number you gave me earlier? Yeah. All right, 30 seconds away. Shut up! Shut up! Animal Talk is there to help you out. Do you realize a chameleon's tongue is twice the length of its body? A chimpanzee can learn to recognize itself in a mirror, but a monkey can't. A Cornish game hen is really a young chicken. And a cow gives nearly 200,000 glasses of milk in her lifetime. Important information about animals is always here in Animal Talk. a whole lot of quick going on. There you go. 1-800-PET-1886. Hey, in this hour, we're going to be talking to... uh, Dan Hathaway from State Farm talking about dog bite prevention. The insurance industry, as Brian always says, is an unwitting participant in the pet industry. How much does it turn out to be in dog bite claims a year, Brian? About $250 million a year. And uh, of that, uh, State Farm alone absorbs about $80 million of that every wow. single year. One million people uh, each year require medical attention because of dog bites. 
And on the average, about 16 people a year will die in the United States due to dog bites. And let's throw wolf dogs into this mix because we don't have enough mayhem yet, I guess. Yeah. You know? So it's a big problem. A big problem. Absolutely. We'll be talking to Mike Burns from the Avid Chip people on on what the Avid Chips are for. And their Avid Chips are to actually be able to identify your dog anywhere in the country. Mm -hmm. It's a microchip that goes underneath the skin. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Brian, Brad has a very unique approach for using the Abbott chip. That, uh, and we're going to find out all about all of that after we do. Factor fiction. You decide. And this factor fiction is being sponsored by HealthyPetNet.com. Own your own home pet shop. How does this work, Brian Donovan? Well, we're going to read three <laughs> stories. We know oftentimes uh, with regard to animal news, truth is indeed stranger than fiction. Two of the stories are going to be true that we pulled off the newswire. One is false, fabricated by Dr. Brad Davis. Doesn't mean he's going to read that story. Your job is to determine which story has been fabricated. Call 800-PET-1886 if you have a hunch. If you're correct, you win prizes for your pet. All right, I'll go first this time. Rodent-tossing teen suspected... <laughs> Rodent-tossing teen suspects caged by cops. If you want to grab a sandwich during... <laughs> like three words into it. Uh, six teenagers are accused of tormenting motorists and rodents for the past several months by tossing guinea pigs and mice through open car windows, police said. The youth students at a local high school have been driving along the road since the summer had started, pulling up long motors and tossing live animals inside, said the police. But they were arrested Thursday. It looks like they had some time on their hands and they were bored and looking for some pranks to play. And the cops have caught them. Police are not releasing the names of the 16 to 17 year olds because they're being prosecuted as juveniles. The youth started out by throwing live guinea pigs that one of the boys stole from his mother. Later, they went and bought mice to use as projectiles, the cops said. Panicked motorists everywhere were driving off the road trying to get away from the mice. One woman panicked after a mouse landed in her car and drove through a red light. She only calmed down when she spotted a police officer with a big gun, added that, sorry, and pulled over in the parking lot. And she said, had that not happened, she would have driven like a crazy woman trying to get away from the mouse that was in the car. Well, the teen's reign of terror ended after one of the targets wrote down the license plate number, and they've now been brought to the mousy halls of justice. That that, that really pushes the boundaries of reign of terror. I mean, as it goes. I I'm not saying it's good, but... Yeah. All right, story number two out of New York City, UPI. Sports fans may have given the Sydney Olympics an A+, but an animal rights group feels they flunked badly. PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, announced at a press conference Monday morning that they were condemning the outlandish, almost criminal, mistreatment of animals at the games. PETA cited the opening ceremonies where horses were ridden in formation and where 500 pigeons were kept in, uh, locked in small boxes for nearly two hours before their release to fly off as a flock. The group also rallied against the games themselves, including the equestrian events and the triathlon where divers used sonar devices to keep the sharks away from competitors. These sonar devices disturbed the, ch- the sharks and interrupted their normal lives, the group claims. Souvenirs also raised their ire. The largest selling souvenir at the Games was a change purse with a Sydney Olympics logo on it made from a kangaroo scrotum and marketed under the name... Oh, my goodness. Kangarooined. Uh, PETA claims this is an atrocity to life itself. Olympic officials did not react to the charges. I just feel bad for the kangaroo. (laughs) The kangaroos did react. (laughs) Thank you. 
Okay, bark. Third story: bark, bite, and stun, all in a police dog's repertoire. London, uh, not content with having police dogs bite criminals, law enforcement agencies in the United States have fitted dogs with stun gun muzzles. But what they really wanted was dogs that could both bite and stun criminals. Their wishes come true. Researchers in the United States have developed stun muzzles, which can be fired or discarded by radio control. New Scientist magazine said on Wednesday, stun muzzle of Orange, California, has patented a quick-release muzzle that also carries a radio-controlled stun gun. The device allows a police dog to approach criminals and nuzzle up to them. Once the dog locates exposed flesh or thin clothing, a police officer can then activate the stun gun. But if the dog cannot find a suitable place to stun the villain, the police officer can release a latch on the muzzle by remote control, allowing the dog to bite the criminal. Attention, you in the warehouse, we do have a crotch-sniffing dog. (laughs) Come out now. Send two. Ouch. There you go. Pick one of these three stories and pick which one is the, the fabrication, the lie, the absolute falsehood, and you win prizes, prizes, and more prizes for your pets. The first story is teens go on a raid of terror throwing live rodents in cars. Uh, story number two, sports fans may have given the Sydney Olympics an A+, but PETA feels they flunked badly. And uh, story number three is stun gun muzzles for police dogs. PETA just flunks badly. There you <laughs> go. I, I mean, these are all three just really stupid stories, and one of them is false. <laughs> they should all be only false. Only one is, yeah. yeah. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Coming up in this hour, we're going to be talking to Dan Hadaway, the dog bite prevention expert from State Farm, and Mike Burns from Avichip, and maybe, maybe not, Ted Nugent. Who knows? <laughs> and we'll be talking all to right. Ted if he calls about uh, wildlife management and the role of hunting in wildlife management and conservation. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. Anyway, <laughs> let's go back to some emails, Brian Donovan. Uh, how about a couple news stories? Oh, let's do some. All right. Uh, uh, what does Brad Davis say about uh, uh, over-the-counter pharmacologic pharmaceuticals uh, for for pets? Oftentimes, they're either too weak to do anything or too strong, and they cause a problem. That's usually they're either I too say. weak or too strong. As a rule, there's something always. else you say though. There's something else you say. Always buy just natural. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, the thing is that people do not read labels. Exactly. Uh, and three cat owners in Detroit area contacted the Michigan Department of Agriculture to complain about problems with their cats uh, after playing with dogs who had been uh, exposed to Biospot, uh, one of the products used for uh, flea mm-hmm. uh, prevention. Yes. Uh, they did not read the precautions. They have... Uh, uh, what's the chemical? Pyrethrin. Pyrethrins. Pyrethrins. Yeah. And of course, this is something that's pretty extremely toxic yeah, to cats, to cats. and uh, it's also toxic to people. So people should be wearing gloves whenever they use BioSpot. It's kind of a strong, unpleasant product. So read the labels, for God's sakes. Common sense. Anything but common. But here in Animal, animal Minimal Talk, we try to help to make your common sense to be more common. One eight hundred vet eighteen eighty six. Pick up the phone and give us a call. You listen to Mark, Brian, and Brad here on the Animal Talk Radio Network. They're back, and the tennis bone by Happy Dog Toys is Brian's favorite dog toy. Hey, don't forget, we got that Factor Fiction hanging out there where you can win prizes, prizes, and more prizes. Three stories that we just read before the break. Two of them are true, one of them is false. Pick the lie, win a prize. 
You know, we have Ted Nugent coming out. Is that Ted? Is this Ted? No. Yeah. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Ted Boyd, George Nugent. No. We, we've got uh, Mike Burns coming up from Avid. But we had the three stories. The first story was teens terrorized town, San Diego to be specific, by throwing live rodents in cars. Uh, story number two, PETA's upset at the Sydney Olympics, uh, particularly at the largest selling souvenir, which is made from a kangaroo hoo-ha, called the <laughs> kangaroo end. PETA claims it's an atrocity to life. And the third story is they've developed a stun gun muzzle to be used in police dogs. Now, Brad, you said you watched 2020 this week and John Stossel went off on PETA? Yeah. yeah at about time that the media elite got to recognize their brass insincerity of PETA. Brass insincerity? Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, we're right along. <laughs> Far more okay. interesting than a white pussy cat! Didn't like that alliteration? Yeah, time for a kitty corner. <laughs> <laughs> this kitty corner. This kitty corner is being sponsored by Oster Clippers from Sunbeam. Uh, th- you know, can you stop this music? Yeah. It's not, stop, it's not the it's least not bit appropriate for what I'm going to do. Okay. Um, actually, this is the, the second anniversary of the death of uh, a famous duo from uh, Australia. It's, uh, can you? And I wrote a poem. Um, I mean, if you have something, I'm going to read a little bit of the story. Uh, For years, they hold on, hold on. No, seriously, guys. Glory, glory, hallelujah. For years, they had been a familiar sight on New Zealand highways. Uh, The black cat Rastus and his owner Max Corkle together on a motorcycle. Well, here's what happened to them two years ago on this day. Max Corkle and Rastus, uh, who were he, he would ride his motorcycle with the cat on the handlebars, and they mysteriously got into a head-on collision. I have seen that on the animals' funniest videos on Animal <laughs> Planet. I've seen the cat riding on the handlebars. Well, they died. They both died. There was a head-on collision two years ago, uh-huh. and I, I wrote a little poem in, in honor of this mysterious head-on collision that nobody really can can figure out to this day. And it's a kind of an homage. And, and you wrote the poem. And I wrote the poem. Oh, to Max, talk about head-on collisions. <laughs> Max Corkle and Rastus. Do you have anything, Jamie? No, I got nothing. You got nothing? <laughs> okay. I got nothing. All right, I'll, <laughs> you want me to do the poem? I'll do the poem. Do the poem. Okay. With Rastus on the handlebars, the wind in their face, this is how God meant for their lives to take place. That fateful day will not soon be forgotten as folks gather around to see what went rotten. It seems this day the cat and the man shared chili con carne right out of the can. <laughs> How could this have happened? Still, your mind boggles? Well, how could anyone see where they're going with cat dew on their goggles? Oh, at that last moment, Max Corkle, what went through your mind? I imagine it was your Astus, your favorite feline. <laughs> oh. A little uh, homage <laughs> to go. Max Corkle and Rastus. For anyone down in Australia listening on Yahoo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but thanks ever... for listening and good night. <laughs> <laughs> But if you ever lose a pet, you know, you didn't you didn't have the poetry music. I asked you for that earlier. It would have made a world of difference. Like five minutes earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was well. Oh, by the way, um, (laughs) Joanne was really disillusioned by the fact that I told him that Cornish hens are uh, actually small chickens. Uh, Actually, yeah, Cornish hens, game hens, are not actually game hens. They are just uh, very very small. Chickens about five to six weeks of age, and they weigh no more than two pounds. So that's why you're. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, how do you feel, Joanne? Disillusioned, ripped off. The veal of chickens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Did man. you know that, Brad? Yes, I didn't know that. I thought it was like a. You know, oh my goodness, it, it, that, that's just terrible. And you know, George Washington's favorite horse horse was named Lexington. Napoleon's favorite was Marengo, and U.S. Grant, uh, United States uh, 
Grant Ulysses S. Grant supposed to be. <laughs> United States Grant. Yeah. You, you, what a heck of a oh, name. Man, did you know we have a guest? Waiting Ulysses on had three favorite horses. Egypt, Cincinnati, and Jeff Davis. Yes, I did. Brian, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, uh, we've got lots of questions for this guest. It has avid microchip. Microchipping is something that we've kind of talked about for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Why yes. are you looking at me like that, Brad? Okay, nothing. No, uh, just... On the line with us is, is Mike Burns. Mike Burns knows all about the avid systems, and he's going to uh, answer some questions and, and tell us how we can keep our pets safer uh, through this uh, microchip system. Mike Burns, are you there? I'm here. Well, first, Welcome from beautiful Southern California. Oh, stop oh, it. There, stop right. it. We're in Detroit. You it's, had to say that. Didn't it's oh, rainy. Well, it's I'm, cold. I'm it's up wet. in my mountain home, and it's 70 degrees and sunny. All right. We don't like you. All okay. right. We're done now. <laughs> what can I say? Brian, have, have you perfected that uh, new new invention of yours about sending electrical current down the phone line? Yeah. I have, uh, it's, yeah it's called the uh, shock-a-jerk thing. Watch yeah. it if you have a dog nuzzle. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike Burns, uh, what exactly is uh, the Avid Microchip? Uh, The Avid Microchip is a transponder, big name, but all it is is a microchip in a piece of biocompatible glass about the size of a grain of rice. It's injected into a dog or cat between the shoulder blades at the base of the neck where it remains for life. You know, for the sake of, I'm sorry, Mike, but for the sake of radio and for the sake of, you know, being fun, you should have said that it's injected, just like you said, but it's the size of a toaster oven. You should have said that. (laughs) Well, for the sake of radio, consider (laughs) that the microchip is a radio station without power. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, so kind of. (laughs) And when the scanner, a pretty good segue, and then when the scanner is passed over it, it excites the microchip, which reveals the unique number to that animal. You know, a scanner excites bread, too. But <laughs> Okay, now, so ideally what would happen if, uh, worst case scenario, I guess, the dog is, your dog is lost, your pet is lost, and it's picked up by a shelter who has the, uh, a device to check for the microchip. Which we offer free to every shelter in the United States. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And then, and then this is, uh, this is cross-referenced to a, a national um, uh, database of it's numbers? Called pet, it's called PetTrack, and it's available 24-7. Whenever a pet is lost, they can call us 24 hours, seven days a week. And how many pets uh, currently are, are fitted with the microchip? Uh, we have over 7 million on our database. Really? In mm-hmm. the United States. And that's not enough. Uh, it should be uh, no, all of them. It, it, it's not enough, and uh, uh, we're we're a global uh, database and, and microchipping company. But uh, quite frankly, more and more shelters are chipping their adoptive animals and their returns to owners. So we're getting more and more hits each day. Approximately three hundred calls a day into our database. Mm-hmm. You know, let me ask you a, a question here that just, just kind of popped into my mind. This thing, this uh, device that checks for the microchip is offered free to shelters. That's correct. What if you have a situation, and I'm sure this has happened, where a shelter uh, did not bother to get this this device. They happened to euthanize an animal that had a microchip. Uh, is there legal recourse the owner has uh, with, the, with the shelter? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm not an attorney, but in every state across the United States... Unfortunately, in some respects, animals are considered chattel, personal property. And whenever a suit is filed against uh, whatever entity on chattel, it's the worth of the animal. Now, that's pretty damn demeaning, and pardon my language, but it, it is. And what I'm saying is that more and more shelters are understanding and, uh, you know, calling us for these free scanners. Right. And... What we're recommending and what they are accepting is that 
just before euthanasia of the animal, they will scan it. When it comes into the shelter, they will scan it. So we have a double test here. Very good. Hey, Mike, we can put you on hold for a second. We're going to go to a break. We'll be right back with Mike Burns. If you have any questions, pick up the phone and give us a call at 1-800-738-1886 here on the Animal Talk Radio Network. KT Bird Foods would like to remind you that sticks and stones may break your bones, but Animal Talk will never hurt you. <laughs> Welcome back to Animal Talk, 1-800-BAD-1886, and we're talking to Mike Burns from the Avid Company. Hi, Mike. Hey, Mike, got a quick question for you. Obviously, rept- or, uh, dogs and cats are not the only animals that can have an Avid chip put in them, correct? That's correct. Dogs, cats, mice, bats, fingerling salmon, fish in South Dakota, uh, the... What about my Great, pet uh, killer whale or orca? <laughs> now that that's something that needs because you know somebody you, that runs away and it's tough to find. Well, the chipmunks well, too. You think uh, yeah. it'd be natural? You know, you know the one that was in the movies. Uh, right. It's chipped by us, and uh, we, uh, by example, on fingerling salmon, uh, we'll chip them, and then after they have their three years in the ocean, and they come back up to their streams and rivers uh, to. Uh, propagate. We have scanners under the water, and when they go up to the ladders and they uh, get a hit on uh, the scanners, well, we know which batches uh, have uh, successfully completed their spawning season. I'm still thinking about the uh, the lost pet uh, sign for the killer whale. <laughs> Black, white, uh, answers to Raiders, Moby. You know. The Oakland Raiders, which uh, uh, fortunately for me, I like the Oakland Raiders, beat San Francisco today. Anyway, <laughs> had, to, had dumb, to throw that in, guys. Dumb been, all the know, left. <laughs> if I may, the important thing about chipping for shelters, uh, shelters provide probably around 70% of the animals in the community. And when they chip animals going out, uh, they're able to get hits on animals that are, as they call them, returns to owners. Mm-hmm. And where before... They are spending three to five days in a shelter. If they're lucky, now they're spending hours because if they get a hit on an animal that comes into a shelter, they call our database, we tell them who the owner is, and the animal spends hours instead of days in a shelter. If you love your pet, chip them. Yeah, and how much does this cost? It sounds too good to be true. Well, if you go to a shelter, typically the cost is going to be around 15 to $20. Uh, your private veterinarian may charge a little more. Uh, you know, when I go to my private veterinarian, I love this guy. He's taking care of all of my animals. I'm going to spend a little more. Well, and the other thing is, is next time you go for a regular vet visit, just get the chip done. It's, it's not it, that more expensive. It's as simple as that. And if your veterinarian doesn't uh, chip, you know, you can call Get a us. new vet. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, you know uh, we'll go and send him a package and videos and stuff like that showing how it can benefit his clients. It, it, is, it is a great thing. Clients. 
it's a really great thing. Now, now, Brad had a good idea to to make a certain breeds. Why don't you explain your idea, Brad? Well, we always talk about uh, the they talk about taking breeds like pit bulls and banning them and banning certain breeds. I think that's absurd. One of the things that I've I've talked about in the past here and in columns and that is that maybe making microchipping something that's a, a, a legal thing where you have to microchip your dogs and then whatever dog does something, you can immediately access who the owner is, its vaccine history, and you can hold people responsible. And when people are responsible for their dogs, then you will have less trouble with the dogs. Brad, it's, as usual, you're at cutting edge. And, well, more, and more and more cities. Oh, boy, he's not getting out of this room tonight. Yeah, His head's okay. just going to be so... No, I'm, I'm absolutely serious about this. Um, I worked for L.A. City for 26 years. I was a legislative analyst for the city council, also, and the last 12 years I managed animal shelters. But one of the things I do is write sample ordinances for communities and cities throughout the United States, and one of them is the Dangerous Animal Ordinance. And if you chip an animal, whether it's a pit bull or a German shepherd, and, you, and the animal bites, there's no mistaking which animal has done it. And more and more communities are doing it. You're right on top, Brett. Well, Mike, we appreciate it. Is there, is there a, a number or a uh, website where people can get a hold of AVID so they can get more information? It's www.avidid.com or 1-800-336-2843. And everyone will be able to go to our website at animaltalkradio.com and be able to uh, get that information from our uh, pictures of the show section. That'll be in there, so they'll be able to get that, too, as a link there, too. Who are you guys rooting for for the World Series? Uh, um, I, I'm pretty much rooting for the Red, wing, red Wings. Any, the Red Wings. Yeah. Any, you know anyone? what? They, they have a, a pretty good stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, such a, I'm such a baseball fan, it's scary. What about you, Brad? You actually know who's probably going to play. I want anyone who's not New York. That's what I'm going <laughs> for. <laughs> well, Oakland's playing them right now. Oh, very good. Mike hey. Burns, thank you very much for being with us. Hey, we thank really you, guys. It. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That'll do it for another installment of Animal Talks. Thanks so much for joining us. Come on back next week for another flashback for you. And, of course, like, comment, follow, all that business. Uh, We need you to do it. It helps out more than you can imagine. So just uh, hit that like button. Leave us a comment. And, uh, of course, you can always send your emails, jamie at animaltalkradio.com and the website, animaltalkradio.com. And until next time, have an exotic week and kiss your wild thing for me.